Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, Facebook Live, uh, 7 o'clock, Tuesday night, hoping the audio is working, oops, hoping everyone um, is well this evening. Um, so I want to talk about a few things today. If the audio isn't working, please put a comment. Well, actually, that's a crazy thing to say, isn't it? Actually, if it is working, can you put a comment? Because if it isn't working, you won't be able to put a comment. <laughs> um, I'm just going to assume it's working. I'm going to go ahead with it, and I'm just hoping that if it's not working, hey, hey, Gemma, is the audio working? It's working. Good. Good. It's just I'm on the little mic rather than the white one in my ear. Um, so I'm going to talk about a few things today. First thing I wanted to talk about is something I've added added to it. Actually, this wasn't a question, but I want to talk about complications for a couple of reasons. One is that I have seen quite a few people um, of late who have not wanted... Um, Whenever I talk about complications to patients when they're having surgery, I put the first thing is I put scar, and I always say that's not a that's not a risk, that's a definite. So it's not a complication; um, it's definite. There are potential complications with any surgery, but scarring is pretty much a given for everything that I do. Um, and I've seen a few people who don't want the scarring, and they're very keen not to have the scarring. And I show photos of scarring and. Uh, there's often a tendency for people to think, oh, but it's not going to be that bad, is it? And I, to be honest with you, I try and be realistic with people. And the best way to avoid complications and to avoid scarring is to not have surgery. And if you're going to have surgery, you've got to take on the potential for complications. Um, and it's absolutely fine not to have surgery. I had a long chat with someone on Friday who didn't want scars, and I showed them photos of some of my cases and to be honest with you scarring often fades pretty well but I can't 100% guarantee it's going to fade that, that well in you I can't I don't know how the scarring is going to go in every patient I can just say what it often does and usually does and it's up to you as a patient to balance the risks against the complications uh, and the risk for complications and it might be that the balance is too far um, on the complication side in which case don't have surgery I feel, I feel that our role here is not to encourage you to have surgery. It's just to tell you about what's possible, and it's not for everybody, and um, complications are possible. But the other thing that I wanted to say about complications is I think that it doesn't matter who you are and how good you are as a surgeon. You're always going to get complications. And I think that one of the big things that separates the sort of quality surgeons from the people who don't have a good reputation is how they manage the complications. Now, there is a situation, I, I you know, as, as a fully trained plastic surgeon, as a member of BARPS, I have to, um, we, we all have to give our figures to BARPS 
every year to show that our complication rate is within norms. So we've got to make sure that our complication rate isn't outside the normal, um, and we are sort of um, assessed against our peers on that. But I think, uh, and you know, you might think these cowboy people, maybe they get higher complication rates, I don't know, because they don't have any where that they have to um, submit the complications if they're not a member of VARPS or any other association like that. But the main thing, or the other thing is, is how you manage the complications. Because I think, you know, we're, we're at ESP20 surgeon, we've all got complications, we all got, there's always potential problems. You try and make it down to the minimum, and one of the good things about cosmetic surgery is very low risk of complications. But I think this thing that separates the quality surgeon from the others is how you manage your complications and how you deal with the complications. And certainly in my practice, I always feel that my complications are my most important patients um, at the time because um, I think there's often, I think people often feel bad when they have a, well, obviously they feel bad, but they feel a bit sort of, maybe guilty is not the right, right word, but they feel, oh God, I don't want to sort of phone again or don't want to contact them again. But for me, I'm like, oh, you know, we'll be phoning you. I think we need to make sure that we look after people and we get them through the complications um, because that's difficult. It's often, I've just answered a question on Real Self just now about a patient who had a complication. Um, and I think it's important, and, you know, she's putting it on Real Self. I feel like saying, you know, she should be going to a surgeon and, and she shouldn't really be needing to go to Real Self. She should be um, being looked after by a surgeon and given advice by a surgeon because I think you need to um, feel like you're being looked after and you need to get through it with your surgeon. And it's difficult for the surgeon as well. It's probably hard. I guess people with the complication maybe don't have that much sympathy because they've got, they're going through the uh, complication themselves, but it is, it is difficult and it's a tough part of the job, especially with cosmetic surgery. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I wanted to talk about that just because I got getting these people coming and not wanting scars and things. And I think maybe a few years, well, maybe many years ago when I started out, there'd be a tendency to say to people, oh, yeah, but the scar won't be that bad. But I don't do that anymore. I just say, yeah, that's the scar and that's an average scar and you're probably going to get an average scar. I hope you're going to get a better than average scar, and I hope you're not going to get a worse than average scar, but the, the law of averages <laughs> says you're going to get an average scar. So, um, you know, I try and show people average realistic results, um, and if that's not um, suitable, or if you're, then, then don't have the surgery, because um, it's often the case that people don't need to have the surgery. It's a question of wanting to have the surgery to make things better and I have to say it usually does make things better but um, yeah that's my view on on uh, on complications and management thereof um, so that I'll put that one in myself uh, these are the real questions now sleeping on your side I think it's actually sleeping on your side bathing and exercise I think it's all one sleeping on your side bathing and exercising after breast implants so uh, I've just had this discussion with someone today or yesterday, actually, about this. When can I sleep on my side? I never tell people they can't sleep on their side after they've had breast implants. But a lot of people ask me when they when when they can sleep on their side, when they don't have to sleep sitting up anymore. So I don't know who's telling them. And I don't know where they're getting it from, but it's not from me. So my view is that wear a supportive bra, but don't. You can sleep any way where you want. Now, obviously, it's going to be uncomfortable to sleep on your front. Even if I said you could sleep on your front, you wouldn't because it would be uncomfortable. So don't sleep on your front. But you can, sometimes it's uncomfortable sleeping on your side, So, in which case sleep on your back. 
Sometimes people find it they can't sleep on their back, and certainly sitting, sleeping, sitting up. I mean, there is a reason for sleeping, sitting up. It's because it helps with the swelling. So I know if people are telling you to sleep on your sitting up, I can understand why they're doing that. But I don't tell people to do that, so I don't know where that's coming from. Um, but I think, uh, so I don't make a big deal of it. For me, it's more important that you sleep, because if, if you can't sleep, it's horrible. So if you can't sleep sitting up, just sleep anyway. Sleep on your side. But you might find it uncomfortable to sleep on your side, in which case sleep on your back. You know, you don't, you don't really need me to tell you that. Let's just do what you feel comfortable doing. Uh, it's my view on that one with breast implants. But that's just my view, I guess, if other people are watching this who've got other surgeons. Maybe there are other surgeons who tell you to sleep sitting up, so you better do what they say. Do what your surgeon says. I wish people would do their surgery. Well, because <laughs> people say, when can I sleep on their back? And I haven't told them not to. Oh, when can I sleep on their I haven't told them not that they can't. So obviously they're not. Yeah, get the point. Um, sleep on your side, but bathing, bathing and exercising after breast implants. So breast implants, um, bathing is normally, uh, <laughs> um, bathing is breast implants, you have a little water. Again, this is me. I don't know what other people do, but this is me. So um, for me, I put a waterproof dressing on the, um, on the wound, and that is waterproof. It's splash waterproof. It's not... Um, totally waterproof so you just go with your back to the shower and obviously don't get in the bath because it will just float off so don't get the pad wet um, but again so I let people shower day one uh, you know straight away um, and exercising after breast or day naught even day of if you want uh, exercising after breast and obviously take your bra off to shower. So you wear the bra day and night for a month but that doesn't mean you take the bra off to shower uh, once you after a week we take that dressing off then you can bath shower do whatever you want because you don't have any dressing on after a week um, exercising after breast implants, uh, most things is exercising usually two weeks because it swells a bit. You don't want to do it when your dressing's on, you're a bit hot and sweaty, so you don't want to do dressings on for a week. Second week, you're probably not going to feel like doing a great deal. Gentle exercise after two weeks, um, starting with lower body, uh, exercise bike, the stepper, things like that, but not too crazy with your arms. And then um, four to six weeks for the arm stuff, weights and things like that. And then start gently. All of this, start gently and build up. Putting what lotion onto wounds after surgery. Now, I think I know what that is. And if I, I know that I was asked that question, wasn't I, last week? I, I, I think, was it over the weekend? Or I got an email that question, and I haven't answered it. So I feel bad about that. That has made me feel bad about that. So I will, as soon as I finish this, properly answer that to the person who's asked that question. Um, because I think that, I think... That is a question about someone who's had a shave excision or a lesion, and they're asking when they can put wound lotion on the wound. I think that is. If it's not that, then I'm off base. But uh, So if it is that, when you have a shave excision or a lesion, I'd put a little uh, steri strips, if you know what they are. They're like paper tapes with a bit of like, Keltostat or cotton wool thing on it, and then that falls off after a couple of days. And then as soon as that falls off, you have a scab, and then we give you a little tube of antibiotic cream to put on two or three times a day for a week. So if that's the question, that's it. So as soon as this dressing falls off, you put the cream on two or three times a day for a week. If it's not that, because it might just be putting lotion onto wounds after surgery, thinking about it, it might not be that. So if it's not that, if it's just generally putting stuff on wounds, um, I don't. apart from that antibiotic cream onto shave excisions, I don't normally advise putting any lotion onto any wounds. Now, most of my patients, apart from a shave excision, will have closed wounds. So they don't have open wounds unless the wound opens. But uh, the idea is that you close the wounds, you have a dressing, you take the dressing off after a week, and the wound is 
healed and closed. So you don't need any dressing, you don't need any ointments, you don't need any savlon or creams or ointments or anything like that on the on the scar, on the wound. You just have fresh air on it. Um, I do suggest that you start massaging, but I normally wait at least a month. I normally see about six-week mark after surgery, and then I suggest the massaging at that stage. Um, so if that's, that question might be relating to that massaging and putting stuff on the wounds. So if it's a normal scar, like a tummy tuck or breast surgery or something like that, then uh, nothing on the wounds for a month and then start massaging it with cream. There's no particular cream that uh, you need to use, bio oil, a lot of people say, or aloe vera, vitamin E, all sorts of people say all sorts of things. For me, it's more of the moisturizer um, on the wound is the main thing. Um, and then I'm coming up just uh, for, for warning, a bit like last orders, I should have a bell. This is the last question now. So I, I've got a um, thing for comments. So if you have any questions and you want to ask, please ask me because I'm coming to the end now. I'll string out pseudogynecomastia as much as I can, but I've got to tell you, I've not got a huge amount to say on pseudogynecomastia, but I will do my best. Uh, what is pseudogynecomastia? This is a patient who has been in touch to say they have been told they've got pseudogynecomastia, um, and I can't remember what else they said, but maybe they probably said, what, how, you know, can I help or something? Um, this is a situation where people are giving names to stuff, and I don't know how helpful it is, to be honest. And this is a problem with the world we're in, with the Internet and all that. It's a bit like I had another question on, uh, uh, was it on Real or somewhere, uh, about tuberous breast deformity. Someone says, have I got a tuberous breast deformity? To be honest with you, it doesn't matter whether you've got tuberous breast deformity. It doesn't matter what pseudogynecomastia is. It doesn't even matter what gynecomastia is. What matters is what your problem is. Have you got a problem? And then can something be done about it. Um, so, you know, the thing about you giving labels like tuberous breast deformity, if you're happy with your size and the shape of your breasts, who cares? You know, whether you've got tuberous breast or not tuberous breast, it doesn't matter. That's it. If you're not happy with them, then look if something can be done. Again, it doesn't matter what it's called. Pseudogynecomastia is a term. Is, is, uh, how helpful it is, I don't know. So gynecomastia, Basically, men have got breasts just like women have got breasts. Gynecomastia is excess breast tissue in a male. And the breast is made up of two components. It's made up of glandular tissue, which is dense, hard tissue behind the nipple, and fatty tissue. And the treatment is different compared to whether you're using the fatty tissue or the glandular tissue or combination of the two. Um, Pseudogynecomastia is when it's mainly fatty tissue rather than glandular tissue. And it is more than the first thing says if you're overweight. So if it's fatty tissue because you're overweight, um, the first thing to do is to lose weight. Because if you lose weight, it can get better. So if it's pseudogynecomastia due to, uh, and it's, it's hard to tell whether it's fatty or, or glandular. I don't know if you've had a scan to tell you that or if it's just clinically, you can actually feel that dense tissue behind the nipple. If there isn't a great deal of that dense tissue and it's mainly fatty tissue, then um, then weight loss is the first thing. But some people do have gynecomastia when they are not overweight, and these are the people who are better candidates for surgery. It's uncommon to have pseudogynecomastia if you're not overweight. It's, common to, it's uncommon to have pure fatty gynecomastia if you're not overweight. Uncommon but not unheard of, so it's possible. So um, if you're not overweight or if you're comfortable and stable with your weight and you've still got gynecomastia, and if it is true pseudogynecomastia, so purely fatty, the treatment is then liposuction to get rid of that fatty tissue. If there is any glandular tissue, then you might need that little cut underneath the areola to take that little bit of glandular tissue out because that can be annoying sometimes when you don't uh, remove it. But um, 
but the treatment of pseudogynecomastia is liposuction because it is fatty tissue, assuming your weight is right first. If it's not right, get your weight first. Oh, Gemma's asked to look at that while I've looked, looked up and looked down. It's my boobie's first birthday next week. Yay. Been the happiest year of my life. <laughs> All right, that's not quite, that's right. Okay. Happiest year of your life. God, that's I'll tell you what, we should advertise that, shouldn't we? Make this year the happiest year of your life. Have some breast implants. That's uh yeah, that's an advertising campaign right there. And that's some pretty impressive emojis going on there, Gemma. I'm very happy about those. Um it's a okay a champagne bottle and don't know what the other thing is. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's great. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for that. It's a comment, and I'm, actually, I can like this because I'm on my computer, so I'm going to like that right there. So, um, and there's a thank you like that. So um, that's kind, and that's very, very nice to hear. And happy birthday next week, Gemma, for you and your um, your new self. So I'm I'm very pleased that you are ha- have had a happy year. That's lovely to hear. Um, so, right. So I think um, I'm um, I'm all questioned out on that. So I'm, I'm going to tell you now. Hear me now. Anyone who's watching this, we've got the app is a little bit in um, development still. It's there on Google Play, but the iStore. It's a bit not the iStore. <laughs> What's it called? The iTunes Place. iTunes is it or Apple Store or App Store Place? It's, it's still in development on that one, so we haven't got that through yet. But we have got the app coming, but we've got a podcast of these Facebook Lives, and also they're on YouTube channel, so please subscribe to the YouTube channel and look at the podcast. The podcast is on iTunes. The podcast is solid. That's on iTunes. It's the app that's in development, and the app will have the podcast and the YouTube and all that on it. So there you go. There's, um, please look at that. And uh, I'm, that's me for the, for the day. And I'm going to go away, and I am going to um, beseech you to ask any questions, please, and I will answer them next week at 7 o'clock on Facebook at, um, well, at 7 o'clock, at Stiano Clinic Facebook page. So I'm going to check myself out. Thank you very much for joining me, and I am out of here. Bye. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.